Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, team. So first, pre-market prep without Joel and Dennis Dick. They've been doing this for years. So it's time for me to step up to the plate and try to knock it out the park. We're going to do the key takeaways this week. Of course, we'll talk all about what's going on in the Biden administration. Seems like there's some fresh expert curbs to talk about. Snapchat earnings. We got Verizon, American Express, Slum, Boston Beer. We'll talk about what's going on in Kathy Wood. Looks like she's buying the dip again. And a little bit of some Twitter news out there. We got to pay attention to see what happens in the Elon Musk saga. But let's strap on, get the life jacket on, because if we can't hold on here, are we going down? We'll find out, of course. We'll also be asking our guest today, Ms. Schneider, Managing Director at Market Gauge, what she thinks about the market. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be at 835. Let's rise and shine. It's time to get pre-market prep started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, team. So I want to introduce you to my friend. You guys have might have seen him from a backtesting show that we have here on Benzinga. But let's go ahead. Let's bring on Christopher Ewell. He's going to be my co-host of the day. 10MinuteStockTrader.com is where you can find Christopher. He's all about getting ready for the market in just 10 minutes. Doesn't sound like a bad approach there. How are we doing today, Christopher? Hey, Mitch. Thanks so much for having me on. Super excited to be here. Hopefully, I can fill the shoes that have been left open, but there's no way I can give them justice. But I'll do my best here. Excited to be here. Hey, we'll do our best, and that's what we're here for, is to try to get through these headlines and give you guys some perspective. So let's get right towards the market. Let's take a look at the overnight action. We are falling off. Um, and it looks like we couldn't hold on to that 365. It was holding for a very long time there. Yesterday, we kept kind of like tweaking right be below it, getting above it, below it, above it. Now it looks like we're starting to crack down. We're towards 363 on the SPY. And I think, you know, it just seems like the market is just holding on. I feel like it's waiting for the bigger reports, of course. Uh, bigger reports going to start next week when we start getting some of the bigger boys uh, to start reporting. But of course, uh, Tesla didn't truly help this week um, with their kind of report. But let's take a look. The dollar is up right now. That's definitely affecting uh, the equity markets. And I want to take a quick look 
at WTI to see how crude front month is doing. Looks like we're still in the green there, up towards 84.88. Can we get past going into 90? That's really what's going to really set uh, oil ripping back. Yesterday, we were up as high as 88. So let's see what happens today. Pulling back towards around 85. Will it hold in the 80s? Um, now, I do want to give some kind of comments here from the Biden administration. The Biden administration is giving more uh, outlooks on potential export curves. Um, now it looks like it's not going to just be limited to some equipment. China's access to some of the most powerful emerging computing technology, including quantum computing and artificial intelligence, is now going to be a part of those export curves. They still haven't really announced this, but they're considering it right now. And this was reported by Bloomberg. So it's something to keep in mind because it seems like the tensions between the U.S. and China keep getting uh, increased with this mention. And of course, we know the CHIPS Act is literally for the focus of trying to get these technologies back here on the mainland. What do you think about this outlook, Chris? Do I tell you right now, everywhere you look, there's all kinds of political strife. Right. This is nothing mm -hmm. new. But, you know, as far as Taiwan, as far as semiconductors go, in my opinion, and granted, my opinion only, I think let them do what they're going to do. And from what I understand, we're building a lot more semiconductor factories here in the U.S. Let's ramp that up. Right. We we can take control of this in the U.S. here. So by all means, let's do that. And as far as like oil, as far as the uh, the overall market goes, do my opinion on those, they're, everything you look at right now is just choppy as could be. It seems like everything you want to trade right now has had volatile moves up and down, but really not going anywhere at the same time. You could look at the SPY since about September 30th. It's traded big moves up, big moves down, chopping everybody up, myself included. And right now, I think the best thing for traders to be doing is reducing exposure um, reducing position sizes, or maybe even just taking a step back until we see what's actually going on here. Because there's bigger moves at play that's causing these uh, distribution days, if you want to think of them that way, until we get a solid trend developing in one direction or the other. Did you know, Chris, that the sanctions are so stingent that any U.S. citizen that is working right now in the Chinese semiconductor industry needs to actually quit their job if not, they're at risk of losing U.S. citizenship. Oh, geez. I mean, That's if you're tough, right? If you're I a mean, U.S. citizen working in China in the semiconductor industry, uh, I think that's pretty interesting there. Um, it went that far. I felt like that's that's definitely pushing it too, right? Like you can't even work for them. Like you gotta you gotta quit your job because if not, we're taking your citizenship. Well, listen, away. listen. If if history is any precedent, and I'm gonna get real controversial here for a second. If history is any precedent, if you remember about a year ago, they were saying you had to get a poke in the arm or you're going to lose your job in every direction. So who knows how long this uh, this precedent will last because now nobody talks about that. It's not, not what it was anymore. The tensions will definitely keep continuing to rise, I feel, as we try to kind of strong arm China with all these kind of measures in the long run, how will this affect inflation? How will this affect the cost of these goods? I think you're going to see a spike in the prices because the truth is if we start manufacturing everything here in the U S 
it's going to cost more. So the Without only way that the companies can adjust that is by raising the price and trying to make up for the margins. We'll have to see what happens there. Now, I do want to do the key takeaways of this week. And uh, of course, uh, we had uh, a lot going on this week. So uh, first up on the calendar, really this week that really shook things up was Netflix and their earnings. They beat subscriber numbers and reported better than expected earnings. And then, of course, Tesla came in, right? And then Tesla knocked this down a little bit, getting hit on their earnings, but stated no change in production for recession. Um, now we did also get in initial jobless claims coming in light. That didn't help the outlook of, of course, unemployment rising. Then, of course, President Joe Biden with a $2.8 billion in grant for battery manufacturing and materials came into play. And then also, of course, a UK prime minister resigning in just 44 days. That definitely didn't help the market. Now we need to keep watching. It looks like more uncertainty in this market but one thing is certain in my eyes i do not see the fed turning around on their policy anytime soon is that how you feel chris no not at all um but keep in mind like it's working i know it's it feels like things are are you know everything's getting thrown against the wall it feels like everything's breaking down but it's kind of Controlled demolition. It's it's planned destruction, if you want to think of it that way. Not not in a good way. Let's look at the housing market, right? When you're raising interest rates by 2 3%, um, we're looking at mortgages now. I saw that the average mortgages are over 7%. An average 30-year mortgage over 7%. That's what uh, it cost back in 2004, 5, 6, something like that. Now, you're making the housing affordability just completely plummet. When housing prices are still extremely elevated, now you've got the interest rates extremely elevated. You're not going to get the housing market moving the way that it was before. But that was intentional, right? You're looking at slowing down the economy in order to bring down inflation, which should bring down housing prices, which will then eventually trickle down into everything else. And not just housing. Clearly, it's it's anything that has to do with taking out a loan. Um, but it... Uh, it's working, but it's not fun, right? In the middle of it right now, this sucks. Nobody's enjoying this. So hopefully, uh, listen, the last thing I want is some sort of cataclysmic event, some sort of giant geopolitical issue to make things worse, but we're also staring at the face of that too. So right now, playing it safe, taking a step back, but also paying attention to, hey, listen, this is working. It doesn't feel good, but it's working. Yeah, it feels like uh, we just need some true positive catalyst i feel like we don't get mm -hmm. it even though we get these rallies they're not really rallies off of a positive catalyst right they're usually just rallies because of oversold conditions at least that's what i've seen on the charts and when will we get an actual positive catalyst will it be maybe inflation turning around will it be the fed mentioning something could it be truly statistical data finally showing us that inflation is coming down i think we need to wait to see at least a hint of some positive catalyst to yeah you know up. what i'm hoping for is uh you know some sort of truce talks peace talks uh between russia and ukraine and maybe that will have the geopolitical overarching effect for everybody mm -hmm. i listen i i'm not trying to to get into that sphere but i think once that gets resolved hopefully peacefully then we can move on to fixing everything else that's broken. But in the meantime, you know, it's impacting the entire world watching this conflict go on. 
All right, let's move forward. Let's get towards the earnings reports now. If any of them caught your attention, Chad, feel free to go ahead and talk about them or let us know what caught your attention. Let's go to Snapchat as they reporting uh, overnight yesterday and, of course, getting hit again. And it seems like uh, even, even a beat and a beat didn't give them the move that they were looking for. Snaps Q3 adjusted EPS coming in here at eight cents, beating the net uh, loss of one cent estimate. Sales at 1.13 billion, beating the 1.2 billion estimate. Snap did say that it would not provide Q4 expectations. This is when they started really taking a hit. Snap third quarter revenue grew by only 6% year over year. The first time it's dipped in single digits. They also stated that U.S. total time watching content de- decreased 5% year over year. They tried to shake it up a little bit by announcing a $500 million buyback, but then they stated that they incur expect to incur the remainder of the transition costs associated with reprioritization in the Q4 estimates and the cost of $20 million to $35 million, which would present a headwind for the net income in Q4. You know, uh, Mitch, I, I heard that Snap just released a, uh, a new filter. Um, and it's really cool. You can hover it over their stock price and it disappears. It's down. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. It's down 28% this morning. The last earnings report, they were down 39%. Yeah. And kind of chewed their way back and forth, but sideways, basically, since the last earnings report you can see on your screen right there. Mm-hmm. Dude, this stock is toast, right? I mean, I love the filters. My kids love the filters. But at the same time, right, that platform, they've moved on, right? We're looking at uh, a platform that that had its its moment and people have moved on and and it shows in the stock price. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I I feel the same way. And uh, one of the things that I put out on my Twitter was uh, the one thing I learned from Snapchat's report is that, sorry, my friend Elon, you overpaid for Twitter, man. Because it just seems like social media overall, I mean, let's just take a look, right? Snapchat, you can look at Meta, you can look at Pinterest, right? It seems like these social media companies that, you know, were getting the lift and the push in the pandemic have really just gotten their stories destroyed here. And it doesn't seem like the revenues and everything is making sense moving forward. So I just don't know how the Twitter situation is really going to pan out for Elon. But let's take a look also at Meta. And Meta also moving down on this Snapchat. Look at the hit that it took. It was at, at first a Dude. kind of 4.77 uh, hit there for Meta. And it just seems like Meta can't hold on even if it wants to right now. I don't know if you remember, but um, I was on your show back when Meta peaked at 380 and I called it on that day and I was like listen Mitch I don't think we're ever going to see 380 in meta again it was Facebook at the time it was right around that time when it changed I don't think we're ever going to see 380 on Facebook slash meta slash whatever they got again the platform is just not there I've heard some really damning news on uh, meta's platforms this week where they can't even get their own employees to use the uh, the 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 metaverse, the, the virtual chat rooms that yeah. they're creating, right? They're not actually using the product that they are making and expecting people to use. So it's like this stock is toast unless they can figure out how to pivot again, because that's what they do. They pivot over there at Meta, but they've sunk so much into the metaverse because, in my opinion, 
uh, Zuckerberg's looking at the metaverse as if it's uh, the next internet, right? Mm-hmm. If you control the internet, you control everything, which yeah. Zuckerberg and his weirdness is all about controlling everything he possibly can. And so he wanted to have that platform. But at the same time, you don't need to have that uh, one centralized place. And I think that's where Meta really broke down is because you look at all these online spaces like Roblox is a great example of that. That mm-hmm. is itself its own metaverse where it's contained. You can buy uh, purchases in the app. You can have your avatar loaded up, whatever you want. But nobody's dominating Roblox except for Roblox. And Meta trying to take in and take over the entire space right there as if it were the next internet. They, uh, I think they over overcommitted, and now they're they're really fighting for it now. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I think at the end of the day, Meta saw the writing on the wall, right? We've seen how the ad revenues have really kind of gotten destroyed because of the new policies that you're getting from websites. I've talked about it, how it seems like every single website you go to, what's the first thing they're asking you now? Cookies. Cookies. Can I get right your cookies, it. right? Get the permission. And I think they saw the writing on the wall on their business. And their business model was all about ads, right? So mm-hmm. they quickly pivoted trying to find a new growth driver. They switched to the metaverse. They saw everyone talking about the metaverse. So they went and switched even their name, right, to meta platforms, right? I think this just was a move a little bit too quick that actually hurt them because their ad business really truly hasn't gotten completely destroyed. And they could have held some of their valuation, maybe raised a little bit more money. That's what I would have thought of if I was in Zuckerberg's position. But now it's going to get to a point where they need to come out with something, something to get them up. They tried to come out with a new goggle, but the new goggles cost $1,200. Dude. Let's just be honest. I Who's actually have the uh, the meta, what is this, Quest 2? Quest 2? Yeah, I, Quest 2. Yeah, my, my kids put their googly eyes all over it. I just happen to have it handy in here with yeah. me. But like the, uh, from what I understand, the, uh, the, user sh- the user base of the Quest 2, after about four months, they just tank. Nobody's using it after four months. And honestly, there's not much to do on there. There's not a whole ton of apps. Uh, there's not. Th- there are some games that are fun to play, but once the novelty wears off, exactly, the novelty's gone. I- I've talked about it. They, what they need is they need to team up with the best game makers, like Take Two and uh, kind of Activision, and then start coming out with brand names that they have. That's what's going to move consumers. They need some big games i know that i've heard and i got some people to reach out last time i talked about this they were like but there's resident evil and there's um this other game i i didn't catch it but i was like but we need some of the bigger titles a call of duty you know uh, a grand theft auto that's what's going to really get people over to the metaverse and the truth is the goggles Right now, the good ones, they just cost too much. Yeah. So we're going to need Moore's Law to come into play, give us about three to four years, and then I see another boom in the metaverse. I know that uh, Dennis and uh, Joel are probably rolling, rolling on the floor right now, rolling their eyes, talking about the metaverse because they're not big believers. But I think it will have another boom, just like crypto went out of favor and then came back. There will be another boom. But the question is, how long will that take? Oh, and, and somebody in the chat just dropped some knowledge here. I didn't realize this. Xbox Game Pass coming to Oculus. Now, that could be a game changer. That could yes, be a game changer. But so, it, 
But what I heard from that is you're playing Xbox games through the Oculus, but it's not necessarily on Oculus. And oh, so, okay. Kind of like the uh, the PlayStation has their own VR headset. You're still playing a PlayStation game on the VR you're headset. Just using I a see. Display. I see. Okay. You're just using the Oculus display, and so this is the first step. I don't think it's a bad step, right? But at least we know where we're going, right? We're well, think about it like the game. the Mandalorian effect or the Stranger Things effect for Netflix, something like that, right? Where it brings people there because the only place you can get this exclusive content is in the uh, the quest or in the metaverse or something like that. They just haven't hit that point yet. Yeah. And once they do, then they've got to get people to not just sign up for a 7 or $12 service per month. They've got to commit $400 to get the headset to join, right? So it's it's a the bar the, the barrier to entry is exceptionally high to get people into the metaverse and they just haven't cracked that code yet. It could very much be that uh, Meta stock splits from here still and maybe it's down towards sixty dollars by the time they get things right. We'll see what happens. Let's go to the next stock here. Earnings coming from Verizon. Uh, Verizon Communications. Yesterday was getting a lift with that AT and T push, and you guys can see that here from the left hand side. But, of course, their earnings coming in, and they got hit hard here. Q3 EPS at $1.32, beating the $1.29 estimate. Sales at $34.2 billion, beating the $33.78 billion estimate. They see Q3 total wireless service revenue at $18.8 billion, up 10% year-over-year. Total retail postpaid churn at 1.17%. And they reaffirmed their outlook for full year 22 but definitely taking a hit here. And it just seems like, you know, I feel, the, I, I got to go with the way that Dennis looks at these. They just, they're just on a slow leak down and they just won't turn around. It's Verizon, brutal, man. You look at AT&T, that chart. I mean, it yeah. Is ugly. I mean, if we were back here, then we could be like, okay, we're just chopping around, right? We're, then this doesn't look too bad. But once you start seeing this, the falling off the tape and no bounces, like there's no big bounce there. It's just it's just a straight washout. Yeah. And so I do think this stock is oversold, and it could find little bounces. But how long will those bounces be lived? It seems like every rally is one to sell. No, this is this is definitely not a stock that I would want to own. I mean, if you go back, it it broke its 50-day moving average in July, and it's a mile away from its 50-day right now. Your yellow line right there. It is ugly as could be. I mean, this is not a stock that anybody should be excited about right now. doesn't matter how good their earnings are. Nobody wants to own it, and that's clear. All right. We'll see what happens there. In Verizon Communication, of course, the total wireless service up, but they need to kind of work on some growth because it just doesn't seem like the company's coming back. Of course, high dividend payer, so that's why people a lot of the times hold Verizon. Let's move towards the next stock. Let's go to American Express. And this is one that, uh, of course, uh, a lot of people are watching to see how the consumer is in the markets. Let's go towards a 15 minutes so you guys can see the pre-market action here. American Express Q3 EPS coming in at $2.47, beating the $2.41 estimate. Sales at $13.56 billion, beating the $13.5 billion estimate. American Express third quarter revenue increased 24% to 13.6 billion and they also say that on their year to date performance now expecting it to be above original full year EPS guidance of $9.25 to a high end 
of $9.65. So they expect it to be above the original guidance. Not a bad outlook, but still getting crushed here. That's yeah. what I'm starting to see in these earnings report that even when they're beating, they're still getting hit hard on the downside. Dude, that's a sign of a bear market. Good news is still bad mood, bad moves in the uh, in the bear market. So it doesn't matter how good the news is right now. You're talking about uh, uh, Verizon just a second ago and American Express right now. They're getting toast. Now, their saving grace may be in the fourth quarter. Maybe consumer spending will pick up enough to uh, offset all the issues that they're having going into the holiday season. But real, realistically, I think people are going to be cutting back going into the holiday season rather than pushing forward because there's a lot of uncertainty, and especially with inflation, right? I mean, you're, you're uh, spending more and getting less at that point. Yeah, one thing that I'd say about American Express is that you're back towards 2019 numbers. You know, uh, right before the pandemic hit and early 2020 numbers, you're right off of those and you're actually starting to cut through that. So not a good outlook. I feel like when you start breaking into that 2019 numbers and you're starting to go lower, of course, not down to the pandemic low, but starting to break down. And I, I at least from what I see on this daily chart, it's nothing that I want to be trying to grab off the bottom. If anything, I can see the average true range expanding on the down move, that's not what I want to be seeing. That can expand the volatility and kind of pushes down through this level. You can see the RSI in the middle, and uh, that's not a good area for me. I always think that uh, if you're looking for a bounce here, you would hope for it to be down like to like 20s or 16 down there, really oversold. It's not oversold. So showing us that it could break down and continue today. Don't like this American Express chart. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, excited to hear you talking about the average true range. That's a big deal, man. That Larry Height specifically, he taught me how to use those average true ranges. So good for you on, on paying attention to that. Yeah, those average true ranges are definitely somewhere to kind of keep an eye on. It just helps us take a quick outlook on volatility. Yeah, those exactly. That don't use it. All right, let's keep going. Let's go to the next one. Uh, this is one that I always get a, a little slack on because I call it the slum burger. But some, you know, slumber J. Let's go into it. Uh, that's SLB. You guys can take a look at this. this. Is an oil play, and it's been getting some lift lately. Let's talk about their e earnings here. Earnings coming in here. Q3 EPS at 63 cents, beating the 56 cent estimate. Sales at 7.47 billion, beating the 7.15 billion estimate. They did announce a quarterly cash dividend on October 20th of 17. Uh, 17 cents, pretty much 0.75 uh, per share of outstanding common stock payable on January 12th uh, to stockholders of the record. And so the ex-dividend date on December 7th. So that's what you'd want to be getting before so that you can get that dividend. And I mean, this is what a lot of people have been talking about. If I've talked to analysts, they've just told me I'm sticking with the energy. Even though everybody saw the kind of pullback in oil, they were like, I'm just going to stick with the relative strength because their earnings are going to improve. They're going to be given dividends. And it just seems like these are the best stocks right now. Dude, look at it, man. It's pushing near all-time highs right now. That's the first chart that you pushed up. Or maybe not all-time highs, but yeah. several year highs. Yeah. Several year highs. And, dude, this is an outstanding stock from a technical perspective. Uh, you get over $50 pretty soon, maybe, and you could be off to the races with Slumber, Slumber J. 
Uh, so yeah, this is the first one that, that you've shown today that actually has some promise to it. Yeah, you know, we don't talk about moving averages enough on the show, but uh, you can clearly see them below the price action. And it's actually even expanding away from my nine EMA. So it shows me more and more how the momentum keeps driving it. And one of the things that I can clearly see, it just keeps holding above that nine mm -hmm. EMA. Even when it pulls back, it just gets that nice rip after that. So uh, this is one of the strongest stocks. And you're not going to find too many stocks that are above their 50, above their 200. And in this case, above a nine EMA. So not a bad looking stock here. Definitely SLB is one that I'll watch. This one likes to trade also with Halliburton. So this is one that I'll give you guys a relationship to look for. Maybe today we see some lift going into Halliburton. I'll be watching this one today off of SLB. And so you guys know how I love to play that leader lagger style trade. So let's see if we can get this one above, like say like 3250. Uh, on a nice breakout right out the open. That's what I'll be looking for. Halliburton, we'll see if we're able to nail that on the upside. All right, let's get out of Slumber J. Let's go towards some Boston beer. Who's drinking some beer out there? I'll tell you one thing. I still remember to this day going to the Samuel Adams Boston tour and seeing the guy with the big beard just working working like he, he was like don't even look at me kind of thing like i'm making beer here that's when i felt a little bit more confidence in boston beer i felt a little bit more proud they didn't just pay an actor right to be mm -hmm. in the commercials it's an actual guy that's making the beer and i i thought that was Dude, a little bit uh, i i have an affinity for uh this company here when i graduated college my my parents bought me uh one of those single shares of stock in a frame of Boston Beer Company because that was my, my favorite beer to drink in college. And uh, I still have it hanging up on my wall. Uh, but yeah, this one right now. The question is, did you sell? No, I, of course <laughs> I didn't. Dude, it's one of those mementos, right? You keep forever. Yeah, yeah, there's no need for it. No, no, no. But I mean, looking at the price, right? There was a point in time where Boston Beer Company was flying off the shelves, right? I mean, you can look at it. It was uh, April, May, 2021. Over a thousand, twelve hundred dollars. Now we've cut that down by a factor of four, three hundred thirty-six. Right now, um, this stock has had its day, uh, but right now it is. Uh, it's basically just trading sideways for the last several months. I mean, since, geez, where was it at? April to October, it's been in a, you know, a, a range that entire time. So for me personally, uh, I'll just keep the one that I have on the wall. But uh, I'm not looking to get into this stock as a trader anytime soon. Well, I'll go to the store and maybe buy an Oktoberfest. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I'm going to be getting the, the stock anytime soon, especially if we're going in a recessionary environment. And one of the things that really happened to Sam's was the whole Seltzer movement. Mm. It just died off and just fell off the tape. And that's how it is with trends, right? You got to find the trends early. You want to be part of that early adopter and you can also play that into stocks right and then a lot of times by the time it gets to that late majority and the trends start going away that's when you'll start seeing the stocks decline very similar thing happened in the metaverse stocks where the early adopters yeah they were able to make some good money on those big leap up when the metaverse was hot but as soon as it got towards more late adopters trying to get into it and make investments well, you started seeing the stock prices come down. So we always got to stay really quickly with the trends. If we want to take advantage of them, you got to be early. 
because once you start of the yeah. part of the late majority, that's how you'll see moves like this. And I always or, tell people, you got to stay open-minded, right? Open-minded mm -hmm. to the fact that, hey, maybe this is something cool. What you have right there is a perfect example of stage analysis. You've got stage one on the left-hand side where it's flat. Stage two where it's a giant run-up. Stage three where it starts to decline, all the moving averages cross over. And then a brutal stage four back down. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly brutal. stage analysis in a nutshell right there. Brutal there and uh, Samuel Adams. But let's give their earnings. I didn't even give the numbers. It's, that's how bad it is right here. But let's give their <laughs> numbers. At least they beat in a beat, right? $3.82 beating the $3.49 estimate sales at $596.45 million, beating the $574.39 million estimate. So at least they beat their estimate. And they saw full-year adjusted EPS. They saw it and they gave a wide range here. I thought that was a little bit of a reach, but they gave $7 to $11 on the high end versus their $8.33 estimate. So they gave a little bit of a high end outlook to maybe give a little bit of a lift, but we'll see if they can actually hit that $11 on their EPS. All right, let's get moving forward. We're going to get into our interview coming up in just a few moments. We'll have, of course, Mish Schneider, Managing Director at Market Gauge, excited to get into that interview. And if you in the chat have a question, remember, that's our competitive advantage here at Benzinga is that you guys get to ask a question also. So throw one up for Mish. I will make sure to try to catch it. All right, let's go to one more topic before we get uh, Ms. Schneider on today and I want to do let's do the Kathy Wood talk out there because mm. uh, of course Kathy Wood is like right off the daily support here so it's it's a big day for her today she stepped up to the plate yesterday and bought more uh, Tesla shares she bought 66,000 more shares for a valuation of 13 million um, of course to ARKK and now uh, Tesla is the top holding in the ARC fund with a weight of 9.42% in the portfolio. But of course, how does she do this? Well, she sold some NVIDIA, of course. Uh, she had gone for NVIDIA when it had made that down move, right? And I don't think it turned out great for Kathy because she had got it that first day that it had gone down. And we've seen how NVIDIA's leaked from there. But ARC Innovation ETF sold over 59,000 shares of the chip maker NVIDIA valued at over $7 million based on Thursday's closing price. You know, Kathy, unfortunately, based on her, her business model, she can't just sit in cash. She has to be constantly investing. And so she's always pivoting to the story stocks, you know, something interesting, something uh, that has the uh, excitement behind it. And I get where she's coming from. But there are times when stocks just don't need to be bought, right? And now is a great time when everything you see out there basically is below their own 200-day moving average. Unfortunately, like I said, for her, she has to buy, but she's not buying anything that uh, is working right now, I guess you could say. But getting out of NVIDIA, you know, they just released their uh, 44,000 series cards in the last month or so. Uh, as a nerd myself, I keep up with that kind of stuff. And, you know, they went from pricing their uh, 3000 series cards in a, a decently affordable price range, but nobody could get them because there was a GPU so shortage. Now, when there's a GPU glut, they're pricing their uh, they're pricing themselves out of their competition here. So I can see NV NVIDIA having a lot of issues in the near future with earnings. 
Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, NVIDIA is just one of those that I think uh, you're seeing what interest rates rising and what a battle with China is causing here. I think you're slowly but surely just leaking out these technology companies. Of course, this is going to make an opportunity in the long run because I don't think anybody thinks NVIDIA is going away anytime soon. But the question is, where do you go and take your shot? That's the hard part here. And it seems like to me, until we get some change in environment, I know I won't be taking the shot. And NVIDIA keeps coming down. Now, when we talk about Tesla is where I get a little bit like, what, what's going on here, Kathy? I mean, like I, I've said it before. I was like, Kathy, are we using any type of technical analysis when we're no. making these purchases? Because <laughs> if you look on the charts, it doesn't seem like it's at the right timing. Dude, right? zoom like, out, zoom out a little bit. You'll see yeah. that it's right now around the same floor that it was in May. And then you zoom out a little further and you see that it's about where it was in July of 2021. Maybe to her, it's a value play. Uh, but that's not necessarily how you'd want to trade a, a high growth stock or potentially high growth stock, a high flying stock like Tesla for the, uh, the, the value aspect of it. Because, you know, there's a, there's a great chance that it could go down and get even more valuable if you want to think of it that way. And uh, her track record in the last year has not been so great. Yeah, and I'm looking at the split price of the, the first split, not the second split, right? We had a second split of a three to one. I'm looking at the five to one. Are we going to come down to that pricing? And if we are coming down to that pricing, would this be a good buy here? Of course it would not. So I think that she sometimes takes shots on days that a lot of us are like, what is going on, Kathy? <laughs> like, who are you using to determine today's the day? But hey, I'll tell you one thing. If uh, the whole strategy of buying into panic is the best strategy, well, Kathy, you're definitely doing that one. That's for sure. Yeah, right, you can buy get... when there's blood in the streets, but that doesn't mean the wound is going to stop bleeding. Yeah, that doesn't mean. <laughs> it's like it's like getting shot in the leg and expecting it to heal yeah. the next day. Like You're going to have to hold that cut, man, because uh, it's looking like we're just coming down and What's going to change this? Well, you could get some, I've talked about it, some catalyst maybe in December when you get the semi trucks to deliver to Pepsi. Maybe you'll get some lift, but where will the stock be then? Let's right? let's be realistic there, Mitch. They're never going to deliver the trucks. They're never going to deliver the cyber trucks. Elon makes promises. Now, I like Elon, but he makes promises. He, he over promises and under delivers consistently. Yeah. I've been waiting for the 4680 batteries to come out in the Model Y <laughs> I know for you've been six waiting. months now, and they still aren't out. Supposedly they're building them in Austin. Dude. That's what he said on the call. I heard it, Chris. I heard I have it. literally like I, I've been driving my old car waiting for that announcement when the new batteries are out. You know, it's like waiting for the new iPhone. You don't want to buy it right before the new version comes out. So I'm sitting yeah. here holding my own, waiting for it, and it's like, is it ever even gonna come out? I don't know at this point. I don't know, but let's go towards our guest of today. Excited to go ahead and get on Ms. Schneider here, Managing Director of Market Gauge. Like I said earlier, if you guys have a question, throw it up in the chat. Let's go ahead and let's bring Ms. on. How we doing? Okay, hold on. Let me get my set mic up, set it up. No worries, no worries. You get that mic on for us. You, you give me a thumbs up when you're ready, Mish. No, No need to hurry. 
I'm excited to ask Mitch about the overall market, going to look into different areas. I know she's a good expert on agricultural commodities, uh, so we'll definitely get into some of those questions. And of course, we're going to have to ask about the modern family, because if not, Joel would come after me, like literally. I would see him in, the, in a couple hours. But let's go ahead. Uh, Mitch, let me know when you're ready. You can give me a thumbs up. And uh, we're going to get into, of course, we'll first talk. I'm going to ask about where we're at in this bear market, right? What inning are we in? So it's very important to kind of take an overall outlook first. Let's go ahead and get Mish on today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. She seems ready. Kind of ready. Just want to make sure that she's ready, guys. I don't know if she can hear you. What I've done. All right, let's get her go. on. I'm where I am. Okay. Perfect. I got you. I was just, I was just giving you a second there. Let's go ahead. Let's bring you on here. Let's get the layout set up, and let's first talk about the overall market. What in, what inning are we in? Are we in the later innings? Do you feel that we're on the back end of the bear market, or are we just kind of getting started? Well, we're in an extremely pivotal uh, area if you look at different time frames. Clearly, if you're looking at a daily time frame. You've already seen the writing on the wall with the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ making new lows after the June lows held for a couple months. But if you look at the small caps, they actually have held the June lows. And until that breaks, you have to say that's a potential bottom. It doesn't really make much sense logically, but that's what we're seeing on the daily time frame. If you go to a monthly time frame, and we love to use this moving average called an 80-month moving average, which measures about a six to seven-year business cycle. What's so fascinating about that is that we've had a couple of times over the last 20 years where we've lived below, obviously 2008 would be one. But since then, we've really held that 80-monthly. Even in the pandemic, we may have broken it, but we didn't close out below it. So that is significant because that means we've been in this sort of uptrend in the market for the six, seven years, and that is holding exact support in three of the key areas of the modern family. One, of course, would be the Russell 2000. Two would be Granny Retail, XRT, which is really more of a conglomerate of both discretionary and e-commerce and just brick and mortar. And, uh, and then and, and even some staples in there. And then the third one would be transportation, IYT, which, of course, is the whole side of the demand of the economy. So the numbers were very clear. 195 in IYT, 55 in XRT, and 162.50 in IWM. And we held. So here's how I'm looking at it. I'm trying to use the overall macro, which obviously has major headwinds. But I'm looking at, are we heading into a bigger recession? Are we heading into another leg down if those three areas break on that six, seven-year business cycle? I would say yes. However, we never know, right? We love to guess. We like to speculate. Obviously, the evidence points towards guilty. 
But you always have to have an open mind. And so if for some, whatever that reason is, we can't even fathom at this point what, but it would have probably something to do with the Fed or the dollar or some other type of situation that comes in with the government. If it holds, it's possible, not that we've seen a bottom, but at least we'll stop the bleed, at least with this seasonal cycle that everybody thinks is quite bullish because of statistics when we are in a midterm election. So that's kind of what I'm seeing at this point. It's been very brutal market because if, every time you go short, if you're not a very active trader, you can get caught in one of those big bear market rallies. Of course, if you get long, you, you get really, really upset when you wake up one day and it opens up higher and then continues to tank. So it's been tough. Now, do you feel that the Fed is just being too aggressive here and will they break something in their quest to get inflation down? I think the Federal Reserve is being the rate of the rate of change has been. I, in fact, I tweeted this blinding. I think that's the best word to use. Yeah. And even I was a little surprised this morning when I saw that the yields have risen even further. But I, I look at it two ways. I think that First of all, they were really super late in trying to control inflation. So that we, let's start with that. But there's not much we can do about that at this point. To me, the bigger question is right now is besides the incredible amount of destruction they're doing in terms of just liquidity to the market, can they actually really control the type of inflation that might be coming? And that is really more on the heels of besides the fact that we have mother nature out of control in so many places, including here in the US, the Mississippi River is at historical lows in terms of water level. Of course, Pakistan is basically underwater by its coastline. Can it control that, 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 those type of supply chain disruptions that would happen as a result? Can it control food prices going up? Can it control the uh, bubbling emerging geopolitical stress we have on top of what we already have with Russia and Ukraine. And then ultimately, can it control people? Because people are getting more and more restless and upset all over the world because of this blinding speed of change. So that in and of itself, if things get out of control, can actually be very inflationary. So you know, when you ask me that question, it's a loaded question because there's so much other stuff happening in the background that could burst. And whatever the Fed does, they will not be in a good shape. They, they, they're just really probably in the worst shape that they've ever been, at least in the history that I've been studying, the Federal Reserve. Of course, we know they started years ago before the, uh, but they really became prominent in monetary policy after the gold standard was removed. And since then, I've never seen anything like this. Oh, Chris, you're muted. <laughs> you uh, dang it. Once. <laughs> well, what do you think about Tesla? Where do you think we can find some, uh, what do you think about their earnings? Where do you think we could find some support for them? Well, one thing I want to, I heard you a little bit talking about Musk before I was jumbling here with my mic. Well, Musk seems to be his own worst enemy right now. Um, I'm not surprised to see the stock come down. At some point, reality had a um, hit that China, obviously, their economy is not doing so great, that there's a tremendous amount of competition, that they've been impacted by supply chain, rising costs, et cetera. 
uh, the Twitter sale, which is not going really well. He has, still has to raise more money. So this is getting here at this level is certainly no shock. But I see support maybe another $50 lower, maybe around the 150 160 level. Do I think Tesla's going to go out of business? No. Do I think Musk is going to go away anytime soon? No. But, you know, this is really what happens is that when you get something that's so stupendous from an emotional and from a psychological and from a, uh, you know, just sort of a momentum, almost beam-like status, eventually, you know, that taste of reality comes home. And when everything else is starting to collapse around you, it was just a matter of time that Tesla would follow in kind. Right, I'm gonna jump in here. Now let's talk about the consumer. It seems like, you know, of course, uh, we wanna find out how the consumer is in this environment, holiday season coming up. The airlines weren't that bad of a report. And it seems like the eyeball test is not really showing us recession out when you're you know, out and about. I just took a recent flight to New York City and it seems like everything was buzzing. Is the worst yet to come? Well, I think we'll have pockets of that we haven't seen the worst yet. Um, if, if, if things remain on this path and if, which, you know, I always like to say at this point, I don't really want to be right about what I'm seeing, which is a, a potential panic where people really start to revolt, for lack of a better word, in ways that we don't want to see. And that, of course, will affect everything. But if if we stay relatively calm, what's happening is there's a shift in how people are spending money. And traveling is something that seems to be obviously high on people's lists. They want to get away. So whatever money they have, whether it's for business because they haven't traveled to see their, their business compadres in different cities, uh, or whether it's family they haven't seen or friends or just vacation, the cruise lines are doing well too. I agree with you, Mitch. I went to uh, recently from Seattle back to, to uh, Albuquerque, and I have never actually stood online as long as I did for security. The planes were absolutely packed. And then the shuttle service that you go from the, from the airport to get your car, there were lines and lines of people that had come off planes. So I'm like, where, why? But, you know, this is exactly, you just have to see that it's this new trend is maybe we're not going to go spend so much money in a store like we did on consumer discretionary spending. But if we have money, we want to get the hell out of Dodge. And I think that may not be sustainable for now. That's definitely the trend. What do you think about the earnings season right now? It's pretty interesting, right? Everything's uh, coming in line almost, but at the same time, stocks are getting hammered. What do you think this is uh, looking like for the rest of the earnings season coming through? Well, sir, some things like Snap, if you saw what happened to that, I think it's down like 25% or something this morning. Yeah. Again, I, I think we're seeing a shift in um, just the current macro environment. So banks did better because obviously people can put money in the bank now and actually get some return. But on the other hand, people aren't borrowing money. Obviously, we can see with mortgages because the mortgage rates are so high and went up so fast. Um, and then, of course, you know, the earnings that we saw that were positive in Netflix is not a really great surprise because people are staying home more. So I think that what we're really is going to be the test and the airlines, as we just talked about, people have been traveling from the summer and probably will continue to travel at least through the holidays. We'll see what happens once we get to the winter months. 
And of course, what we'll see what happens with COVID. Some people predict that that could still come back. Um, although I think most people are vaccinated and not too worried about it at this point. But getting back to my point, we haven't really seen what's going to happen yet with Apple and Google and Nvidia, Microsoft. These are the big guns that are yet to report. And that's what I'm going to be very interested to see, um, whether they eke out good numbers going back, because it's a lagging indicator. It's really going to be more about the guidance going forward. And, um, you know, I don't think that anything really is going to survive if the, if the Fed continues to do what they're doing with the Fed funds rate and the yields. But we'll see. I mean, you never know. You never know. That's all I'm saying. But Right now, I would not want to be a bull in anything at this point, except for maybe some commodities we can talk about. Okay, yeah, let's let's do that. What do you think about the uh, the commodity sectors? Right, you're talking about wheat, soybean, corn, coffee. There, there's so much to look at. What are you interested in? Well, I am interested mainly in the foods and the softs at this point because what's so interesting is what we've seen is when you get these really big downdraft days, nothing survives. Right, everything gets liquidated because people are raising money, margin calls, et cetera. But even with those big draft down days we've had, and energy, we have to put that in there too, um, we've seen corn and soybeans and wheat and sugar. Coffee more, more has gone down more because it's very uh, weather related and we're going into a Brazilian summer as we start to go into our winter. But <clears throat> I think that if you look at those downdrafts, they're still holding major support. And where we're looking at pre-pandemic levels for a lot of things, we're nowhere near pre-pandemic levels in the grains and in the softs and even in the energy market. And that to me is concerning because in the face of a rising dollar, in the face of higher yields, and in the face of what people think might be peak inflation, and certainly in certain areas that's true, those are holding up, which means if anything, adds as a catalyst to those rallying from here. Not only can they rally, but they can rally so fast, become actually parabolic for all of those reasons I mentioned, you know, at the top of the show, which is all the, the just the headwinds we've got going on geopolitically and uh, with the climate. It just seems to me like that's just more signs of concern for inflation, but I don't think we'll talk more about inflation. Let's talk about at least something positive. What do you see out there as opportunities right now, Mish? Well, I'm looking at a certain themes as we're, I'm very heavy in cash, by the way. We've been, uh, we've been in the inverse uh, ETFs in our quant models. At, you know, so in TLTs, we're long TBT. We've been in quid, we've been in SDS. Um, and so we're sort of riding those, but in the discretionary account, that I trade for our clients, we've been very, very heavy in cash. And so there's a reason why, because I'm looking at a couple of things here. Number one is, interestingly enough, some emerging markets, particularly commodity-related emerging markets, are outperforming Latin America and Mexico. And then this is not a commodity-producing country, but it's outperforming Greece for some reason. And I've always been interested in Greece, because it seems like they've managed to survive already a horrible 10-year period that they went through when they were financially on the verge of collapse. In terms of actual sectors, I obviously am watching corn and wheat and sugar. And I'm also watching the precious metals, even though they've continued to go down in the face of all of this rate and dollar, 
that can easily flip if it becomes more of a panic situation. So I always have my eye there. And finally, anything that the government is backing directly, like Lockheed Martin, for example, more defense, defense stocks, even Palantir, it's gone down, but it's holding. Uh, and anything, if we see a switch more to kind of reindustrialization in this country, uh, as we continue to have more and more strained relationships with China, et cetera. If the government is backing it, and this is not to be political at all, because we know the government backs its own agenda that it sees uh, for right. myriad of reasons. So there's the Republican, what they back, and then there's a the Democrat, what they back. But whatever they're backing, that would be something interesting to me, whether it's government contracts, whether it's more in the EV space, whether it's more oil and gas drilling, if the administration gets more weighted to the Republican side, I'm, I'm going to kind of go with that. But really, you have to be so careful right now, Chris and Mitch. You have risk is everything right now. And I don't mind sitting in cash and, and waiting to put that cash to use when I can, rather than what many hedge funds are experiencing right now, which is declines of over 20 percent, which means they have to make 20 percent just to break even. That's going to be sort of Herculean in this type of environment we have. Well, Mish, it looks like uh, we're going to have to, instead of don't fight the Fed, go with the government, because it seems <laughs> like those picks seem to make <laughs> sense here. I like the outlook, like always. Appreciate you coming on. Mish Snyder, like always, Managing Director at Market Gauge. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good day. Have a good day. There's our interview for today. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. And it seems like, you know, she gave some interesting outlook there, Palantir. And I did look up for us a Greece ETF. I don't think I've taken a look at one before, but G-R-E-K is one of those. Uh, so you guys can check this one out. Doesn't look too bad. I mean, kind of bottoming action there. We'll see what happens there. It's And look, look what she, and, and just because, you know, want you guys to look at what she was talking about. She was talking about kind of that monthly 80 and I actually put it on here with uh, the yellow line that you were seeing here. And I, and I was taking a look at some of the, the modern family that she was talking about. And you could see how that 80 monthly is really coming into play. So interesting use of that 80 monthly. And I think she based it off of uh, business cycles. So if you want to know why the 80, it was off the business cycles, but it seems interesting. Something that I haven't used before. No, I've never heard down. of that either, for sure. But I think you nailed it on the head, my friend. Everything, as far as don't fight the Fed, let's not worry about that. Just go with the government. That's where the yeah. money is. <laughs> yeah, that's where the money is. Let's go towards the Twitter news before we get out of here today, Chris. Uh, there was some Twitter news out in the market, so let's go to Twitter. It, it did get a spike, of course, on the earnings report of Tesla with mm -hmm. the mention that was... Uh, put out there, but it took a hit this morning. And this is coming from the Washington Post reporting on Thursday that Elon has reportedly told investors that he's taking Twitter staffing from 7,000 to 2,000 employees. Remember, on October 6th, Judge Kathleen McCormick issued a stay requested by Musk in the case, giving the two parties until 5 p.m. next Friday on October 28th to reach the deal. Just keeping that in mind here. And it looks like it wants to make some big cuts on the employees, uh, especially the amount of staffing from Twitter. Dude, Elon, he knows what he's doing, right? He had you know, every chance to evaluate and find the best way 
to use the resources that Twitter had in his favor. And clearly the guy's looking at like, you got too much staff here, right? The staffing is going to be one of the most, if not the most expensive part of that business. And dude's a businessman, right? He's trying to find any way that he can cut costs and, uh, and, and boost the profits at the same time. Because now if he's going to be the owner, he wants that cash flow coming straight to his wallet to pay off that $44 billion. Right. So, I mean, it makes total sense to me, but at the same time, where does that leave Twitter? Does that, and, and maybe in the chat, let us know, where do you guys think Twitter goes from here? Um, once it is in the hands of Elon, do you think that it's now bolstered by Elon's, uh, efficiency model? Or do you think that, uh, at this point, Twitter's jumped the ship? Maybe we should be going back to snap. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be the case, but let us know in the chat what you think. Where does it go? Twitter is going to be one of those that I think that eventually, you know, you could get that down move, of course, and when it closes, it's going to go private. So I just, I just don't know about Twitter. I still feel like he overpaid. I'm not such a confident in that it's going to turn around. And of course, if it goes private, I mean, we'll see what happens, right? What, what does he do with it? Right. Uh, that's something to keep in mind. All right, we'll do a little bit of ticker time. It's 9 a.m. We don't got all access until it looks like 9.30 right now. Um, so we still got a little bit of time. Chris, I don't know if you got to go ahead and get ready for your kind of streams. It's okay if you need to hop out at any moment. Um, wasn't expecting to go all the way to 9.30. Dude, I'll tell you like- what. I'll, uh, I'll push my – I do have a web class that I was going to start at 8. I'll get my assistants to push that out to uh, to 8.30 um, Central Time, yeah. and uh, I'll hang with you for a little bit longer. Hey, by all means, you're more than welcome to stay as long as you need, and then we'll get out of here. We'll do a little ticker time so you guys can start throwing up some of the tickers. I'll tell you one thing. Christopher is definitely like me, looks at technicals. So if you want to get his outlook, you guys can ask him some tickers. So don't feel shy. Throw it up there, and we can run through some of these. And definitely – like Easy Mike says, smash the like for some Mitch bonus time. We're going to get some bonus time here for you guys and bring you guys to all access. But if you guys have something on your radar today, throw it up. I'm going to scroll up to start getting some of these stocks, and then we'll roll through. Uh, first one, it looks like Robert wants to take a look at AA. So Alcoa yesterday had a big lift, even with a bad earnings report. I mean, if you looked at that earnings report, it didn't jump out to me that this move was going to happen, but it was a nice spike there yesterday. Now it's, I think you got to look to see if you can actually get over some daily levels. You can see here, there's a lot of daily resistance right above here, the 4097. So it needs to get to 41 really to get above some of these levels. I'd be looking first to see if we can get back towards 39 right now. We're around 38 60s. So if we can get into the 39s, maybe you can get back towards yesterday's support, which was around 39.30. Needs to recover there. Dude, look at the volume spike. Like, that's the yeah. biggest volume spike it's had in, in months. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really telling. I think that this stock might have some legs to it. But it isn't there yet. Just, you know, hang tight. Be patient. Let it get over that uh, 41 level. Once it passes that 41 level, closes above there, then I think it's got the legs. And but that this- volume spike is telling. Yeah, and the support seems to be holding up on the hourly. I love the hourly charts uh, to look for deeper time frame pullbacks, and it seems like that's what we're getting here. Now let's just see if we can get a rip towards the open and this come right back up through. I think if you get that break towards especially like 3950s, it's going to be looking interesting on the charts. Uh, let's keep going with some other tickers, and if you see anything in the chat that you like there, Chris, you can definitely just click on the comment and 
pull it up. Oh, I have no uh, problem. Spy's turned green on the day. That's Ooh, a change. Spy. I spy with my little eyes. Look at that. Turning back around. What happened here? It seems to me like there's some news here. I'm no, that's looking that's, that's a, a couple big candles with a lot of volume. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> something Somebody, happened. Something happened. What's going on out there, team? We should check Benzinga Pro to double, yeah. double check and see if any news came through. Yeah, I'm looking right now to see if there's anything hitting the tape. I don't see anything right now, but there has to be something going on here. Uh, definitely, that's a, a pretty decent spike there for the spy. And it, it was just kind of just just wandering this morning. Definitely getting a nice little push there. I'm looking to see if there's any news. If you guys see anything out there, please, you guys can throw it up in the chat. I'm going to go to the next ticker, and I'm sure by that time I would have found out. Uh, but let's go. Looks like Vapekin wants to take a look at T-Mobile. So T-M-U-S. Uh, T-Mobile, of course, uh, we got some lift yesterday with that AT&T news, but today's Verizon uh, really got hit hard. So I think you need to hold towards the 135 if that cracks could be right back down and starting in, in another downtrend here. So there is some resistance above it around 136.50s. But if 135s crack hard today, I'd be wanting to get out. No, I'm not looking at at this one at all. One, it's it's got to break over over that 50-day moving average to even be considered even on my radar whatsoever. But yeah, that's at 138. But I think the 135 area you were just mentioning that could be something to look at as well. Yeah, so the 50 outlook there on the daily would be this yellow line here and still needs to get back above that. At least it has the 200-day below it. I was about to say that. It's got its 200-day, and it's got a at lot least. of support as 200-day. Yeah, at least there is not looking too bad. I think T-Mobile is more like kind of those sideways trend stocks right now. They do have the most growth right for Verizon, but sideways trend. Um, the big thing I would say is just watch Verizon today. If that continues down through, let's say, the support of 35 well, you might want to see some uh, continued downside coming into T-Mobile. Um, also, AT&T, I'd expect to get hit. Also, it did get gap up. Will it come back to get this gap that it did yesterday? All right, let's keep going. We'll take another one. Mullen, I'm kind of going to avoid Eric. It's just too small. There's really no point in us talking about an underdollar stock here in HKD. That's just momentum. That's a pump and dump type of stock, so I'm going to avoid that. Let's keep going. Uh, looks like uh, APRN, eh, not the worst stock to talk about. Blue Apron, still cheap. Um, but my thing with Blue Apron is that this is the first type of cost I think you'll see the consumer drop when inflation starts hitting their belt too much, right? If we start seeing our cash going down, it doesn't make sense to buy these $100 boxes when probably you could get the same goods in a grocery store for probably, let's say, I don't know, with inflation, not not too much cheaper, but maybe like well, eighty dollars. It's the convenience, right? People will sacrifice convenience for cost when it comes to it, right? Yeah. I mean, if need be, people will go back to the grocery store and stop getting the Amazon and Walmart grocery deliveries, the Blue Aprons, things like that. You know, if if uh, if they're pinching pennies, that'll be the first thing that goes. Exactly, and so I don't think this is any of uh, the ones that I want to be keeping to watch. Looks like someone says the dollar. Uh, DXY was dumping. So uh, with that news, if, if it's DXY dumping, it might be something going on in England, right? We're expecting uh, news coming out of England. What will it be with their new prime minister? Maybe it's something there. But for right now, I don't have the exact uh, situation there. So I'm not going to go ahead and put it to anything. But keep in mind, the SPY is getting a little bit of a spike here right before the open. 
it'd be good because now we're recovering that 365 yesterday that I said that, you know, we kept trying to cut through, but weren't cutting through. If it could close above that 365, won't be a bad outlook there in the SPY. Let's go to the next stock. Let's take another one here. Um, if there's anything to cut, so you're... Yeah, I saw one on here. Uh, X was asking us to take a look at Disney. Okay, let's do Disney here. All right, so Disney from a chart perspective is weak as can be. Below it's 200, below it's 50. Uh, It did just have a little rally in the last week or so, but this is a stock that I'm staying away from as far as buying. I mean, there's no reason to. Um, Earnings are coming up in the next uh, two weeks or so. But where I'm at with Disney right now is that they're they're really hemorrhaging on their Disney Plus. From what I understand, their Disney Plus is getting less views than the Disney Channel on cable, and uh, it's it's looking really really ugly from uh, that perspective because their subscriber numbers are huge. But also from what I'm hearing is that they're bundling that into other services, right? If you get Verizon, speaking of Verizon, they're giving you, you know, a year of Disney Plus included, and they're counting that as part of their subscriber base. So to me, Disney just, it's really hurting, right? They're not able to capture the uh, the streaming market like they wanted to, because at some point, the parents like myself, the kids have watched most of the library, and the parents aren't sticking around for anything new other than Mandalorian. <clears throat> That's been their biggest hit overall. And then they've got some real bombs, like the Marvel Phase 4 is bombed real hard. Uh, You've got She-Hulk that's bombed real hard. Just over and over and over, you're seeing lots and lots of uh, failures from Disney. So who knows? Maybe it's politically driven, but Disney, from a a technical perspective, doesn't match up. The 91 area needs to hold. If you look at the monthlies, that's a huge support for it. If it cracks there, it could easily be back down towards the 80, and that 80 mark is really close to the pandemic low. We'll see what happens there in Disney. Uh, Kosh, talking about Pinterest, we kind of talked about it earlier with the Snapchat report. Um, So I would be in a bearish outlook here, even though it got crushed. It could bounce back though towards the open, you know, maybe get a little bit of a pushback towards the closing price. Closing price was here 22.97. So see if maybe you can get back up towards that. And then maybe you could start making up some of those losses but it does seem like it's getting a little bit of a spike. Let's see if Snap is getting a little bit of a spike too. Uh, not much right there. It's just right sideways, not really moving right now. But Pinterest is trying to get a little bit of a spike going. What do you feel about this down gap? Dude, Pinterest is... Uh, who uses Pinterest anymore? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just That's not... where my head is that. I, I mean, mean it, it's seen its 200-day moving average come from you know, 70 or something to now, now it's just over its 200-day moving average at $22. I mean, if you love a value buy, that might be something you're interested in. But, uh, I mean, this is just traded sideways for the last 10 months almost. And just right now, it's showing any sort of technical strength, being over 50-day, being over its 200-day. I mean, this is just a, a, I I don't know who uses Pinterest. I I don't know anybody who'd want to own it either. All right. Looks like a Russian defense minister held phone call with a U.S. counterpart in Austin. I'm seeing just trying to find why we could be spiking like this. That's kind of the headline that I see hit the tape there from Reuters. Maybe it was a Russian defense. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say they, they had a phone call with somebody in Austin? Yeah. Isn't Elon in Austin? 
Isn't that the thing? Elon's having private conversations with somebody in Russia? Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows, really? I ain't even going to go in there. But that kind of spike could be something bigger, right? So pay attention towards the open. There could be some big catalyst news that hits the tape. I haven't seen it truly. But stuff like that, of course, we've talked about it earlier. Chris talked about it, right? Any change in the war with Russia and Ukraine could be that positive catalyst to get us striving. <laughs> Let's go to PCG. Of course, uh, this is the company that was uh, in that whole California scandal for a long time, but they got themselves out of it. And when they came out of it, the stock started moving up. So it's uh, been in a long sideways action. That was when they were in their legal struggles. They started getting back above the 13. And so that's kind of the level around where I'd be mm -hmm. looking for some pullback area. Uh, but this has shaken out of all the worries. And it seems like now is getting some lift. And I also saw that they were involved in some talks with the GM Energy News. And so they're a partner of the GM Energy. And so maybe this is giving them a little bit of a lift. PCG, um, regulated electric. This hasn't gotten in the rally that was in those utilities so maybe this one's just trying to catch up to it now no right now it looks like a decent low risk entry point when i say low risk i mean that if you're wrong you've got a lot of levels to tell you hey you're wrong and it's okay to get out but if it does work it's got a lot of headway right yeah. it's not you, you take a risk from 14 to 13 but at the same time you could see 17 20 something like that if this actually does take off yeah, let's see if it gets back through the weekly high here on the 14th. Um, that weekly high is 5.03. I'll go to the daily outlook. You can see kind of that trend line. Will we get back up there and really kind of push up through the 14.50 today on PCG? All right, let's keep going. What else we got? 9.13. You guys do us the favor. If you guys are enjoying us sticking around, hit the thumbs up. We got over 900 people in here right now. Hit the thumbs up. Let's get some more stocks going in here. All right, so um, looks like uh, UAL being brought up by Ryan Christopher. Let's take a look. All right, UAL is one that I'll be looking for. If the market's green, we can look for maybe this one to get towards that 40. Um, I've been looking at that Wednesday high from their, uh, their earnings report there, and you can see here 40.35 um, was that high. So let's see if we can get through 40 today, 40.35, and start getting into a gap zone that's above it. It's gotten in this only once and twice, looking to see if it can start making its way towards the 200-day moving average above it around the 4094. I think UAL is a prime opportunity to short. Ah, oh, mm. I'll take the opposite side. I'll contrarian you, you That's my what friend. It's about. Check it out. If you look at it's it's almost going in waves, right? If you look, it peaked around July, it peaked again around August 16th, it peaked again mm -hmm. around September 13th, it peaked again in the last couple days. I mean, if, if shorting is your favor and it's below its 200-day right now, that may be a, a pretty sweet opportunity for you. Obviously, keep your risk contained. Uh, but this, I mean, it, it it's going in really strong waves right there. All right, we'll see what happens in UAL. Will Chris be right? Will I be right? Nobody knows, but I'll tell you one thing. We'll give you both perspective and both sides of the coin. All right, let's keep going. Let's get to the next one, ChargePoint. I see mentioned in the chat. This is an interesting one. B. Dizzle bringing this up. Of course, Biden had mentioned earlier in the week about uh, battery manufacturing, and it just seems like in the long run, 
I do think that charge point can get a run, but I was hoping for it to hold this 14 area, 1450 area and make a run back towards 20. And it doesn't seem like that's going on right now. You know, that's really interesting given the fact that the, the administration is pushing EVs so hard. You've got all these new entrants into the EV market. You're, you've got um, states even outlawing uh, selling gas vehicles in the next decade or so. This should be a pretty strong stock, but it's not doing so hot right now. I'm pretty interested uh, to see you know, if, if maybe there's some, some other issues going on right now because the fundamental picture is there, but the technical picture is not. All right, I'm not gonna say that this is what is causing this jump, but it seems like uh, somebody's saying that uh, this move is on hopes that the Fed would eventually slow rates increases. Tell you that, I don't think that one bit. So if that's the reason for this uh, rally that we're seeing in the SPY, in my eyes, if that's the reason, well, then I'd probably be uh, fading this pop, but we'll see what happens today. All right, let's keep going. We'll take another look at some stocks. Looks like someone wants to take a look, Nick, at TTD. This is one that I'm kind of worried about in the long run, how their business is going to be affected with the changes in data. And so, of course, uh, the trade desk, the leader in kind of advertising, will they be able to hold on or will they start coming back here towards those June and July lows? I feel like this told us a lot. It tried to set up here for a nice little move up. I, and that was, of course, holding the 58, making its move back towards the 74. And when it broke that, it gave me a little bit of a sign. Now, one thing that could give you a little bit of sign that maybe you're coming back is there was a lot of volume on that first dip. So maybe it was kind of, uh, you know, uh, when, when you get those quick dips and then a quick rally back. Uh, but in my eyes, this let go, held it as resistance yesterday. And it looks like it wants to come right back down towards those. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. This has lower highs and lower lows written all over it since August. And I wouldn't be fighting that move. Yeah, it just seems like it, it's tried. It tried to make its move there in August. Couldn't do it. All right, let's keep going. We'll take another one from the chat. Keep it going, team. Let's go. All right. Uh, what else is being brought up in the chat? She-Hulk was a disaster. Definitely <laughs> was. Um, Jet Blue says Gary J. I got you. All right, let's go. Jet Blue. Jet Blue, of course, uh, their kind of uh, merger with Save going through, and so now I think you, you're looking at this seven seventeen right above. I don't think this is a bad one to approach because we saw the earning reports from UAL, from Delta, from American. They're pretty decent. This is one that I'm definitely keeping on my radar right now. So, Gary, you can already tell I'm kind of in the bullish tune with this one. No, you're wrong. Oh, there you go. What do you see? No, no. Look at JetBlue, man. Just zoom out just a little bit. Yeah, it's a tough it's, chart. It's rough, right? It's and even, even on these merger news, it, it's not getting over its last highs made in, uh, you know, in the last month or so. Around, mm -hmm. let's talk. I mean, it's a seven dollar stock, right? If yeah. people were interested in it, if people were saying that this is the future, this would be a seventy dollar stock, and it's just been bleeding all the way down. So for me, this is one to avoid. There you guys have it. Two different perspectives. That's what it's all about in the market. All it right, really is. Yeah, for sure. Literally, that's what it's all about. You know, you never know, and that's why it's always about just using what you see, using your levels, your skills. That's why I always 
am so against trying to be more of a copycat trader. Just take perspective and put it into your own. All right, let's go and let's take a look out there. Skyworks. This is one that doesn't get brought up often. Uh, SWKS. I haven't even looking at this stock in a while. So let's take a look at Skyworks. What is Skyworks? I don't know uh, what it is. Semiconductor stock. Okay. Uh, it's just a smaller one. Um, but you can see here, look at the weekly. Look how it's coming back to supports fast. This is not what you want to be seeing in a stock that's had a huge trend for years, right? Nice trend for years. And then just fell off the tape there and coming back fast. Last time we got a big bounce, that was in the pandemic. Will we get that kind of bounce here? Well, it needs to kind of do it kind of quickly, more in a, in a fast manner, because if not, you could start coming back down towards monthly support, and that's closer towards 67. Yeah, this is a painful stock to look at. It kind of looks like uh, anything Kathy Woods has been buying. Yeah. <laughs> a big spike, followed yeah. by a long decline of the full move. And that's what I sometimes look for is that full decline. And it looks like we're in that full decline here in Skyworks. Long term, I think, yeah, you know, Skyworks would probably come back. But will it ever come back to 200? It's going to take a while, right? I mean, now you're down there towards 80. Jeez. It'd have to, to more than double to get to 200. Exactly. That's what wow. I want people to keep in mind. They're going to have to more than double to get back to the all-time highs. Keep that in mind. How much is it going to take to get back to that high? If it's 1,000%. That should tell you enough also, right? There's a lot of stocks that are like that where I've seen it. And it's like, to get back to all-time high, you're saying 10x? That's, 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 that's difficult, right? All right, let's keep going. We'll take a look at some other stocks. It's 920. Got a couple of minutes that we're going to keep you going here. We'll get out at 928 and get you guys over to all access. But hit the like. Get ready. SoFi coming in here. Rio Yacker. SoFi. This was a retail favorite for so long. I'm glad I gave at least some warnings when this was in 14 because I had uh, one of the bag, one of the SPAC bags, and uh, <laughs> I was already like, "Yeah, guys, uh, don't join me in the party." Oh, you this guys, one is brutal. You guys know my uh, SPAC bag, my uh, Dini bag. <laughs> it, so it's down to five dollars. Yeah. So to get back to new all-time highs, since you were just talking about it, it's got to go at 470 yeah. percent. That's pretty rough. That's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And, the, and the truth is, in, if there's recession concern, SoFi is not one I want to be in. No. If the, recession, if the recession concern can stop, then maybe SoFi can make it back, right? So it's going to be more of a matter of survival right now. If they can just survive through this long period of declining and you know a troubled environment and then get back into a good environment, this is one that I'll take a look at because it is a retail favorite. I'm sure there's a lot of people holding the bag. Yeah. But a lot of people probably want out of this stock also. So there's going to be a lot of overhead supply that we're going to have to deal with when the environment comes back. You know, on that, though, um, I mean, five is a pretty solid floor for this stock. Not that I'm saying it's a great choice, but it may be a low risk entry point if this is something you want to get in in the future uh, with keeping the five as your uh, your exit for sure. Um, as far as like the, uh, the volume goes, let me, let me share my chart real quick. If you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So man. doing a, a volume by price. There you go. There we go. You can see like Aha, little most of the volume out. is down at the bottom. My dude. Yeah. People taking shots. People are, people are trying, people are trying. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can I mean, but that's that a good, out. 
that's a good outlook there though to me because i wouldn't want to see that that volume profile really built up at let's say like ten dollars with the overhead right supply it. yeah that's yeah, what i mean so. like right here is interesting that's uh the average price right there is about five ninety seven, so let's call it six dollars. So if okay. it can if it can get some move over six dollars, you've got a lot of people who want to participate with that stock at that point. Good, good notice there. Christopher coming in with some good addition there. Let's keep going. We'll see what happens there. Um uh someone wanted to talk about spy and uh fifty percent retracement. Let's see if it did that kind of move. Um, it's, it's tough guys. You know, sometimes, uh, we talk about 50% retracements there. Um, recent move there on the spike. Let's see. Yeah, it's kind of really close. It's right, right in line here. The 50% retracement comes right here where you got that kind of bounce around, let's say 364, 60 area or 55. We'll see if it kind of holds that level right now. What's your time frame on that chart? That, this is just the minute. Cause I had a feeling okay. that that's what he was watching. Um, but really tight, fine. Uh, time frame on a fib retracement of course when i like to do those fib retracements i i I'm more focus on the daily right I, i'm looking at those retracements on the daily more than the intraday uh the intraday it's just like it just can give you levels and i don't really use those to kind of give me entries but more along levels where i could expect the pullback going to all right, let's take some other one in the chat we've got about four minutes here left for you and then we'll be getting out of here uh, definitely give us a thumbs up for Chris sticking around, myself going through a lot of stocks for you guys' team. Let's go to some oil stocks, MRO here. Um, MRO Marathon has a lot of resistance above. Look how many lines I got here. Let's delete all this crap. <laughs> <laughs> Let's delete all this crap. Uh, I but I, I'll was- tell you, though, I, I have looked at Marathon in the past, and my line on that was at $28, and it still holds, <laughs> my dude. Yep. There's uh, 28 seems to be like a solid floor. On Marathon, uh, actually, let me back that out. That was on a an intraday chart. I took it back. Now, 28 looks pretty ugly. Uh, I think you might be bumping. I, You know what? That's the difference between time frames, right? I have my two-minute chart pulled up, and I'm like, oh, okay, this has some legs to it. I switch out to the daily. It's like completely the opposite. Like, this may be the part where it, it putters out, right? It's got a lot of resistance in this area with just one spike over the top. And that's why it's important when you're looking at charts to think about the same time frame that you want to be trading in. Yep. Now, one thing I would say about these oil stocks is that uh, we're just going to need the price of oil to keep going up, right? I mean, if that can happen, well, then maybe you can continue in this direction. Um, With that being said, yesterday I talked about it for WTI. We were up to 88. Right now we're up uh, like 84.90s, almost to 85. You need to get back up there because one of the major things that we want to do is get back into the 90s. If it can get into the 90s, I think you still continue to see these oil stocks rip because they can sell at that $90 price. And that's huge profitability for them. So I think that we need to continue to see WTI, just watch crude. And of course, they've had a massive run in the last couple, like two weeks, two, three weeks. So we could get eventually some pullback. We're right near the high, like on XOM, on Oxy. You're looking right like it's trying to get towards the high at the 70s. I think we need to just continue watching the oil price. And we talked about today, SLB, right? Yep. That had a good report. So maybe you're looking at different areas uh, that can start taking a push. Um, like I know one, VLO, this looked like it just really started getting going. 
and it just wasn't like a huge move in the last three weeks. So maybe there are some other plays that you can watch that are lagging and trying to catch up to some of the leaders. You know, on a macro perspective, Sabrina's hit that right on the head. They're continuing to release uh, barrels from the oil reserves. They're hitting like 50-year lows. I mean, we're getting to a dangerous point right now. Consider this for just a second. If we're hitting 50-year lows, at some point, the government, go with the government, remember, Mitch? Yeah. They're going to have to start refilling those oil reserves, which will mean there's going to be a lot more demand, which is going to push up the price. So fundamental perspective there, I think that uh, there could be something to it. They'd be trying to make their way through the midterms. Yeah. Mm. I think they're playing a lot Keep of games that in right mind, now. Right? Keep that in mind, right? Because if they can make their way maybe through the midterms, who knows what comes after that, right? Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll forgive your student loans and they'll, uh, they'll try and bring the, the price of oil down, but they definitely won't be drilling anything new around here. So No, 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 knows? no, we don't do that. You know, we don't, we don't, do, <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, we got about one minute left. So last one here. What's going to be the last stock of the day? You know what? Let's just take a look into the overall market, right? Uh, SPY here today, and I've been... I've been saying it, sideways action is good for the bulls. It's not good for the bears. The bears just want to see this just keep pounding, 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 pounding down. The bulls don't want to see a spike straight up because those spike straight ups, what have they shown us before? Short squeezes, not followed by, you know, good catalysts that eventually just come back down. So All right. I think so let me give you my perspective on that real outlook. quick, Mitch. Sorry yeah, to interrupt you on that. I know we're running out of time. This is my level right here. If we can break out a SPY above 380 or below 357, then we've got to a nice trend again. In the meantime, this is a choppy market. Pull back your size, pull back your risk. And if you can go all cash, go all cash, right? Right now, with the volatility of these spikes inside of a range, it's going to chew up anybody, especially me. I've been guilty of it, too. Right now, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people getting burned out both directions. So yeah. that's my levels to watch right now before getting really aggressive again. Definitely, I agree with that. And try not to be too aggressive when we're not having trends. It's probably, at least from what I've seen in my trading right now, is probably the best way to go mm -hmm. because these sideways action are easily how you just get chopped up in between the algo action and you're like well the stock's going up comes all the way back down it goes up <laughs> until comes tomorrow all the way back down goes up <laughs> yeah comes all the way back down and that game that game a lot of the times we start doing this over trading action and then when the trend actually goes and makes the move kind of more in that hesitation mode because we've mm -hmm. been trading so much so it's way better to kind of wait for that trend to actually show up. Then we can kind of work into that trend. We'll see what happens in the market. Appreciate you, my friend, sticking around with me like always. I think we did all right there for my man, Dennis and Joel. I think they'd be proud of us today, Chris. So wanted to definitely give you a thank you for coming uh, on. With me well, today. thank you for the invite. Glad I could make it. Glad we could come to, uh, to the show with matching coats today. That'll be a, a thing from now on for sure. Hey. <laughs> But yeah, good, glad to be back friend. here. It's been uh, it's been uh, been a hot minute since I've been over on Benzinga. So thank you for letting me come. Thank you all in the chat for letting me uh, uh, drop some some of my my opinions on you. Definitely, I did leave in the link down below in the description. You guys can get Christopher's uh, Twitter. You'll see the uh, special co-host down below in the description. Give him a follow. 
for coming on today. Appreciate you like always, Chris. We'll see you next time. And definitely keep up with Chris on the 10minutestocktrader.com. I know he has a webinar coming up in just a few minutes. So you guys can go on over and catch his show. He has a great YouTube channel that has a lot of interview with some of the leading uh, kind of minds that have ever been in Wall Street. I love watching these from time to time. So if you're ever looking for some content to watch, especially like let's say on the weekends where you're just looking for some entertainment, but still in the finance space, check out some of those interviews that Chris has done in the past. All right, I'm going to wrap up, bring you guys to All Access. Come check out some opportunities like always. That's what All Access is about, is getting to the story of opportunities that you probably haven't heard of before. So go ahead and check out All Access. That's coming right up. I'll see you in a little bit. Of course, team, I'll see you a little bit later. Benzinga Live later today, Stock Market Movers. I have a fun conversation coming up on Stock Market Movers about Rumble. If you want to find out about that, come to Stock Market Movers. That's going to be at 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern, and that interview starts at 1.45. See you next time, team. Hope you enjoyed today's pre-market prep. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.